It's the anger episode. Oh, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's episode five. This is the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. We are recording from the beautiful studios here in the loop at Radio DePaul Sports. I am Mike Fleischman, and with me, we're going to pour some salt on it today. It's Matt Mellumsetter. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. How are you? Salty. Oh, I'm angry, man. I'm really I'm upset. Up, I'm upset. <laughs> we're a bit late on this because we we have lives we're and we have boys. things to attend to. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're busy gentlemen, and we do uh, we do dope things. If I can, uh, <laughs> PG thirteen. One of my one of my favorite. My favorite life is secondhand dope, man, attributed. And I do dope things. Yes, <laughs> my second secondhand attributed Conway Kanye quotes. Con, Conway. Like Con- Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty, yeah. Can That'd be better little, if Conway Twitty said that, him? actually. <laughs> I bet his life is dope, actually. Oh, no, his life was, his life was super dope. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. Is he dead? Is Conway Twitty still alive? Don't know. Twitty. He's so dead, dude. Conway Twitty. Alive. How about the mashup album Kanye Twitty? <clears throat> Over some Conway samples. Well, the third thing that comes up is death. I'm so, glad, uh, I'm 1993. Yeah, he's so dead. He's been dead for a long time. Harold Lloyd Jenkins, otherwise known as Conway Twitty. That man had a perm, ladies and gentlemen. What a way to go. <clears throat> Kanye Twitty, the uh, new new country rap thing happening. <laughs> All right, we uh, we we were not going to record an episode until next week, but late last week the NFL. National Anthem protest meetings were held, and the decisions that came out of that got the both of us so incredibly salty that we had to essentially convene an emergency session of cheeseheads in Chicagoland as soon as we possibly could in order to address the uh, the great festering boil that is the NFL and its ownership and management and policies and attitude and everything in the world. Um, you've you've got the numbers. You've got the research. I have got the the basic story. You've got the anchor. So yeah, I've got the anchor. <laughs> you have got the sales. So we're gonna run it down here. Essentially, there were owners' meetings, and the owners, in their their infinite white billionaire wisdom, look to uh, look to create a policy that will 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 anger everyone and placate no one in regards to the player protests that have been happening during the national anthem. I'm going to find myself $10 if I say anthem protests at any point mm, okay. during this. But um, the the policy statement, the 32 member clubs of the National Football League have reaffirmed their strong commitment to work alongside our players to strengthen our communities and advance social justice. The unique platform that we have created is unprecedented in scope and will provide extraordinary resources in, in support of programs to promote positive social change in our communities. The membership also strongly believes that, and here's the thing, all team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. This was our this was our key national problem, Melum Setter, is we are not showing enough respect for physical objects yeah, no. and auditory Im- signals. Uh, two, the game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. So uh, if you if you do not want to stand for the national anthem, you may go into your designated free speech zone in the basement of the arena where there are no cameras. <clears throat> Three, personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in the locker room or a similar location off the field until it has been performed. 
for a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. There we are again with those words that are just like, you are boiling my pasta. Uh, five, each club may develop its own work <laughs> rules consistent with the above principles. So you can develop your own rules as long as they're the rules that the rules that are above here. Yep. Regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem, and the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline. That's my that's my new least favorite sentence appropriate ever discipline. published by human beings. Man. The commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the national anthem. Uh, welcome to the National Fascist League. Oh, this is garbage. <laughs> <clears throat> I am... Of course, the the thing that we have to start with here, mm-hmm. and this is the thing that I do not know how many human being how how so many human beings swing and miss on this. This is not a protest of the flag or the national anthem. It's not. It never was. It, no, it's never. That's never been the point. That's uh, dating back to the very first time that anyone has kneeled. It has not been about the national anthem. It's been a bit about police brutality. It's been about bigger social issues than the national anthem. And the the national anthem, which it has taken on this like sacrosanct position in the NFL as as you know, everything in our world is currently very strident because you know, we have we have bad president and and we have. You know, we have angry world right now. Mm, mad world. Yes. Everything becomes more strident. So this idea of the national anthem being some sort of great symbol of the country is, I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but it's current hyper, like hyper, um, hyper important status. It's very inflamed status mm. in the national consciousness is, is completely bonkers at yeah. this point. It's, I, I, I don't know what to even say, Mike. This is it's 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 left me at a loss for words. I really want to get into the numbers and kind of like tear down this idea that the NFL is losing money because of these, air quote anthem protests. Um, it's silly. It's so silly and frustrating, and it's driven by Donald Trump. Uh, there's been a couple different reports. Sports Illustrated specifically noted that several NFL owners admitted that conversations with President Trump influenced their decision on how to handle these protests going into this meeting. Um, Maybe that the single like the single most effective thing that Donald Trump has ever has done in his presidency and like possibly in his, his failure of a life is to somehow get the... Uh, somehow get the NFL owners to all be scared of him. Yeah, quote from Jerry Jones, this is a very winning, strong issue for me. Oh, good. Very winning. This very, is a very winning. winning issue for yeah, Jerry Jones. Yeah, everyone's language is, is just... <laughs> yeah, Jones. Taking on Trumpian, <laughs> Trumpianisms. Um, it's, it's crazy, man. We, and... Yeah, you you have brought the, uh, you have brought the facts and... the facts. That, that is so good because we have to... Uh, the 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 NFL seems to be panicking about its its diminished space in American society, and they are they are judging what that space is based on TV ratings, 
And so they're making an argument to to the public and they're making an argument among, amongst themselves that this these protests are, in fact, what are driving ratings lower, mm-hmm. in effect, blaming the players for for something that the players do not facilitate, do not uh, you know, do not organize and and have literally no say in the scheduling or any part of the presentation of these games on mm-hmm. television or the contracts thereof. So I'm going to I'm going to cede it to you while I sit over here and cough and nod yeah, sagely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to turn off your mic so we can you yeah. can cough as loud as you want? And, uh-huh. and uh, you're going to you're going to let me know why this is complete nonsense. All right. So this is complete nonsense because NFL ratings were down 9% last year. That's used a lot as a talking point for why these anthems are these not anthems. These, these protests are influencing the owner's money. These $10. Rich, these uh, <laughs> uh, is there is there a charge on on cussing? Because I mean, I mean, twenty five cents on cussing, ten dollars on anthem pro. We're even now. I've had we're to believe one f bomb okay, so far okay, cool, in, cool, in this cool. po- in this podcast. Um, NFL ratings down nine percent last season. That's been used a lot in the idea that these uh, players kneeling are influencing owners' wallets. Overall t- television viewership, every network, every sport, every program, everything down nine percent last year. So. NFL ratings are dropping at a consistent rate with television viewership. Now, why is that? Because of the introduction of streaming services, Hulu, Netflix, all of your favorite channels now have streaming services online, the NFL has not really been able to adapt to this, and therefore their ratings are dropping, just like all of television is. Sunday Night Football was the most watched television program in America last year. NFL games accounted for 37 of the top 50 broadcasts in America last year. That is a 32% increase on 2016. NFL ratings, while down overall, just like all of television viewership, the ratings of their programs have climbed in relation to other television programs. NFL games are being watched more than they have been in relation to other programs in pre- than previous years. There's a 10% drop for Sunday Night Football's viewership, slightly more than the 9% overall. Sunday Night Football saw an average margin of victory of 12.9 points per game, which was the highest margin of victory since 2014. Games were not good on Sunday Night Football. they were not. Football games last season were not good. We can get into that in a second, but I just want to reiterate, football games were not good last year. The NFL was not a league full of parody and full of the best. We did not see the best product on the field. We did not see the best. I hate hate using that term. this yeah, is a product. I, I, avoid, so, I avoid that as well. But it's it's. But when it comes into your TV screen, like the entirety to, of the package the, the is pro, a product. The program that we were watching, this television program mm-hmm. of the NFL that we were watching, was not good last year. Why was it not good? There was a loss of stars to injury. There was a growth of concussion concerns, and specifically when we're talking about these injuries and these concussions, out of the top ten selling jerseys that the NFL sold last year. Only one player made the playoffs. And he's everybody's favorite. And he's everyone's favorite player. It's Mr. Tom Brady. Oh, my. In, the, the, the NFL guy who's good, who's older than me. Yeah. What's so, up, Tom? That's an issue. Is when no stars, Odell Beckham Jr., Aaron Rodgers, all these guys are hurt, not playing. It influences the product. The, what you're watching. If I held myself back from using product. Can we put a fine on product as well? Yeah, um, yeah. Similar, similar fine influ- on product. You're up to 20 now. Dang. Um, it influences. I mean, no one wants to watch bad football. No, and bad football is is worse than any other. The bad version of any other sport. I 100 percent agree. Bad football can be painful to watch at because times. bad baseball. I tell you what, like. 
the the idea with bad baseball is that maybe they're going to bring in Jose Canseco to pitch, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. going to like his whole arm is going to fall off. Bad basketball, like you know, some th- some announcer is going to have some story, and you can just let a game kind of free flow mm-hmm. behind some good crosstalk between your announcers. Football is so procedural and so regimented mm-hmm. that like you have to sort of regiment the fact that it's second down and three, and a team is down by thirty. Yeah, it's it's. Talking about kind of bad Sunday night football games, we did it earlier. Uh, the NFL and NBC have the option to flex games into that Sunday night slot. Um, so if there's a bad game schedule for Sunday night, they can flex in something from earlier on Sunday into that night game slot. They can move games up, move games around. They never did it last year because there wasn't really – there was a major lack in meaningful games taking place on Sunday afternoons and Sunday nights. There was just not enough good, meaningful games. We saw a lot of major market teams – play terribly. Los Angeles does not care about football, so the success of the Rams doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're brand they're brand new in the league and their stadium was empty. It was comical. It was it was funny. It was funny to watch Rams games cuz there wasn't anyone there. There were people more, watching the Cleveland Browns. There's more people. Yeah, it was Don't send us corrections on that three people who listen to the show yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't maybe I, do. they might not they may maybe can't correct us though, because like yeah. Rams Stadium was empty, and when it was full, it was full of the other team's fans. Write uh, write your corrections on a twelve pack of old style. Yeah, and, and send it uh, to us. Yeah, send mail that to, to uh, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, like New York, both New York teams were terrible. The garbage, Gi- garbage, and the Giants were missing their best player. They were missing Odell Beckham Jr. Eli Manning was bad. The Giants were bad last year because they were missing their star player. Um, the Jets. They're the Jets. They're trash. No, yeah, who, no who one the cares heck are at the Jets? All. The Dallas Cowboys, terrible last year. Really bad. Um, yeah, Green regression, Bay, all that stuff with Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. But yes, also all the domestic violence stuff with Ezekiel Elliott. In Green Bay, we Green Bay lost Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the, the Brett Hundley era just didn't drive the ratings. Just did not drive the ratings. Wow, crazy. Who would yeah, have guessed? Thought? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Green Bay is a small market team, but is one of the most viewed and big, has one of the biggest fan bases in America for the NFL, lost their best player. There was no reason to watch the Green Bay Packers last year. If uh, I was not a Packers fan, yeah. there's no reason. They were worth... The Green Bay Packers were almost as bad as the Cleveland Browns toward, over sure. the last half of the last unless, year. Uh, unless you happen to be doing a week-by-week radio <laughs> recap of yep. the Green Bay Packers then called Seasons in Chicagoland, then you have to watch what's occurring um, with uh, with growing, mounting horror, Yeah, it, which is what I was doing. So that's kind of all the television numbers. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm... I am. I've been studying the television industry and the film industry for the last couple of years. This is all numbers and fun stuff like that. On top of it, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about uh, how the military pays pro sports teams. We absolutely yeah, can talk so about fun. that. Fun. Um, let's see. On average, the military spent five point four million dollars on national anthem displays last year. Um, what, let's find the big number. I remember seeing a big number that was something like 52 million. And this gets to the core of what I was saying about like the national anthem is currently holds an inflated and very, very sort of irritated position in our culture right now. And part of uh, capitalism is absolutely a driver of that in that these are bought and paid for. Their television time is directly being compensated. You are essentially watching something that has gone through the same protocol channels as the Pepsi ad Yep. when you watch the National this Anthem. This is an advertisement to boost enlistment. This is an advertisement to boost nationalism and patriotism. This is an advertisement. You're watching an advertisement. That's all it is. 
And that that is to me like that it, that it is so so cynical because what I get back around to is that every time the NFL screws up, they blame the players. Yeah. And the NFL screws up repeatedly and brazenly over and over and over and over and over again on so many front office issues. And meanwhile, they're printing money. They they are they are still like they're still driving revenue. They're still getting record TV contracts so from much these money. you know from these media media outlets. Um, a crazy prediction: If you see a major TV outlet go bankrupt in the next five years, it will most likely be one of them that has a huge NFL contract that it simply cannot yeah. pay anymore. Yeah, because these viewership numbers are not going up anytime soon. But like, just the cynicism of this is so amazing, and the ability to to just trot out trot out activist players as as like the reason why the league is is losing money the mm-hmm. reason why tv viewership is going down you have so many effective examples of why that is complete and utter bullshit yeah no it's i i the reason that i i think that viewership is declining is a obviously television viewership is declining b every injury Football has become a sport of gruesome, horrifying injuries. We have the concussion thing has been brought to the public's light. It was we know about it now. We you know about it. Cannot put now. it back. You cannot. You that can of worms has been opened. We know that these guys are risking the rest of their lives to play this game for ten years. I mean, ten years is a long NFL career, a storied long yeah, NFL you, career. I mean, if you start in high school, yeah, the average yeah. might be might be a ten year career, and I think. I'm still I'm I am scared because I do I do love football as a fan. Mm-hmm. I do really enjoy watching the game. I think it's it, I think as a sport like it is entertaining and I, I do a podcast about it and I've had a favorite yeah. team for a long time. I think when we start discovering that it's not the college game or the pro game where this starts and where the danger lies, but it's in every level of the sport and it's especially dangerous to brain the brains of people between the ages of 10 and 16 mm-hmm. like when when you're supposed to be becoming smarter and not stupider you know like I, you're bashing your brains against yeah. each other <clears throat> it's uh it's it's a it's a it's a dangerous dangerous game and yeah i i am it's it's tough to be morally compromised on anything, yeah. let alone like entertainment in, you know, it, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. No. I don't know if you've seen that meme or not, uh-uh. but uh, it turns out there isn't. And this is just one of those areas where yeah. like it is, it may in fact turn out to be too unethical yeah. for, uh, for a lot of people. And, but I'm going back to like, look at the NBA as, as a, as as a model of how to incorporate the personalities and lived experiences of your players into your total overall product. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the in the NBA we were talking about we've been talking about injuries a lot and the problems of the injuries in the NBA 14 of the 15 players with the best selling jerseys were healthy, non-suspended and playing in the playoffs. It's a competitive league where viewership has increased by 15% year over year. Their players are staying healthy, and their players are able to exist as regular human beings after leaving the league. They don't have consistent health issues after leaving the league. The NBA, 
the NFL doesn't have pensions for players when they leave. There's no health insurance. There's they're nothing. They're tossed aside when they're cut by a team. These contracts are not guaranteed. NFL players exist purely for these owners to kind of flick them around and make money. Just if if you're not worth the two million dollars that we said we were going to pay you, we can cut you. You'll get none of it. You'll get no health insurance. You'll have no pension. You'll have a broken brain riddled with CTE. <clears throat> you're probably missing a few ligaments. You probably don't walk right. Send you off. See ya. Yeah, see ya. And and even even what we would think of NFL success stories, like Junior Seau's oh death, just broke my heart. I yeah, mean, that was uh, that was a that was like a uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Boys Life, the uh, the the Boy Scouts of America official publication. Oh, okay. I would, yeah, I would read yeah, it yeah. when I was a kid. Like yeah. Junior Seau, sort of when like I was the a child. Boys Life of football players. Yeah. You know, held up as like this great exemplar of. Of like you know manhood and integrity and such and, mm-hmm. and that very well may be true, but he was done dirty yeah by a league he was broken down yeah. by a league and you know it feels like the longer these guys' careers go sometimes it gets more and more dangerous and yeah just to the right of you you have you have the NBA a league that is showing how showing you how to succeed in so many different mm-hmm. areas. You have a stronger players' union, not a strong players' union no. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but a players' union that is actually starting to become strong. Mm-hmm. You have coaches who have been some of the most outspoken critics of the NFL and some of the most vocal supporters of their players' ability to to speak honestly about like their experiences and the things that matter to them. You know, well, meanwhile, like Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich do not coach the Bobcats and the, uh, um, give me another bad NBA team, uh, the Hornets, Bobcats. Well, the Bobcats, yeah, are not, they I don't mean, exist anymore. They're the Hornets. But yeah. I've gone I, back in time Knicks. to find a bad NBA. Yeah. The Knicks. Yeah. Kerr and Popovich do not coach the, the Nets. Nets. Yeah. There <laughs> we go. We found it. We're on it. <laughs> yep. Uh, basketball. It's my, my thing. Um, these are these are men who coach the two of the elite teams in the league, and they are putting out two paragraph, very well rehearsed statements that do absolutely nothing but encourage and validate their players to do as they please, as long as it isn't like in an honest and and like integrity filled manner. And you've seen like the NBA is not. Like Donald Trump isn't ranting about the NBA. No. Somehow they have found a way to do this, and I think it's because they give the players room to be confident, realized people. Mm-hmm. And let's also not forget that Donald Trump hates the NFL. Like Donald Trump tried to take on the NFL and lost real, real, yes. real, real, real bad. He's got grudges to pick with the NFL. Which stupid team did he want to buy? The Cowboys? I forget. But they told I, him no. They were like, "You're uh-huh. not a. You don't have the money, you Dumbo." And B, like you would ruin this team immediately. And he said, "All right, hold on. Let me start my own league." Yes. And they failed in two years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah this 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 ongoing <laughs> grudge. I am. Yeah, this is the salty episode of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland because this whole thing is is just it is cynical to its core. It is un almost unbelievable. And uh I, I have another quote here that I just I think gets to uh gets to the core of of what the problem is. The New Jersey Generals owner Donald Trump pushed the USFL to compete with the NFL in the fall of nineteen eighty six and they failed. <laughs> <laughs> they lost $163 million. 
<laughs> oh, if only if only uh, that would have stopped that man. They never they never actually played that fall season. The league never played the 1986 season. They had folded before they even made that. <laughs> oh. Everything that comes out makes the NFL look worse. That's the uh Yeah. The the NFL spent how long trying to hide the concussion thing? Here here's the uh here's the uh, the league statement that like just Again, like my pasta is being boiled, you know, my rotini is being so heated. Uh, it was unfortunate that on-field protests created a false perception among many that thousands of NFL players were unpatriotic. Like, no, that was exactly what your reaction to it did. Yeah. It's not, if you're the NFL, the thing that you did... You can't call that unfortunate. Like, yeah. oh, whoopsie. Oh, no. Oh, it just, we just threw, we threw these guys into the fire and into used them the as fire. political pawns. And used them as pawns. When, yeah, it's, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're 29 minutes into this podcast and are wondering, like, where are Mike and Matt's politics mm, at on this? Yeah. Um, now we are, I, I am, you know, I am for myself just, I, I could not believe in the necessity of public protest about police brutality more and and particularly I, you know, I, I I've said it over and over I'll keep on saying it for as long as you give me a microphone that athletes and particularly athletes that rise to this level are among some of the most dedicated responsible and all-around mm-hmm. good and just sharp people yeah that you'll ever meet and and the 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 athletes that decide like you know a social issue is going to be something that i also care about like they deserve a platform they, yeah absolutely 100 you know, everyone they deserve it they yeah as much as the athletes who think that like okay i i do not want to ever talk about politics i want to like play settlers of Catan yeah and earn my paychecks and like have my family or if i want to be philip rivers and yeah. just like you know have try to try to repopulate a hundred children the state of california <laughs> yeah whatever it is you're into do whatever you want dude whatever it is you're into should be should be encouraged but I just the more that I work with athletes and the more I'm given the privilege mm-hmm. of working with athletes and the more of them I meet, the more I'm just stunned in that like I don't want to you know I'm not calling anyone out here, but sometimes I go to gatherings where where my family and extended family might be, and I hear opinions about professional athletes proffered to me from people who have never met a single one mm-hmm. and i that's where I cause the disruption is that I just am vociferous. Like you do not understand you know, what these men and women do. Yeah. You do not understand their lives. You do not understand the level of focus and commitment and drive yeah. that it takes to be a professional athlete. And God, if one of these athletes is going to tell me like, this is an important social cause and I support it. And like the league that that athlete plays for, that that athlete makes sacrifices for, that he's endangering his future for, doesn't back him up. That is garbage. Yeah. That's a good way to say garbage. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. It's the NFL doesn't do anything for its players. It does nothing for its players going forward. These players are, I said it before, they're political pawns. They're just pawns for the owners they're just they get nothing the the nfl players association has to 
grow stronger, but the NFL does not let them. The NFL has a tight grip on employment and everything like that. And one of the strategies that they use for that is that they create class divisions within mm-hmm. the players' ranks. Mm-hmm. They they want they want the guys like Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is a perfect example of someone who is probably the most out of touch with oh his fellow God. players as anyone could be. Yeah. Being one you know, one of the highest paid NFL players, being having been around so very long and being as sheltered as he is, like they want to create those divisions between the Tom Brady's and uh, you know, the Marwin Evans. Yeah, the seventh round draft. The Ladarius pick. Gunters. Yeah, undrafted free agents. Yeah, the long snappers. Mm-hmm. These these guys who uh, who are who are you know, the who are never going to earn even seven figures in yeah. the league. Whose career is going to last less than two seasons, mm-hmm. and whose paychecks are going to probably top out after tax somewhere around uh, you know somewhere around six hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And that while that's good money. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that money. Think about the effect that those two seasons have on the rest of their life and the, their earning potential for the rest of their lives. Those two seasons are two years worth of physical abuse that w- will destroy your brain, that will destroy your body and your ability to continue and live a long, healthy life. Or if not, may actually just you know, just contribute to like any other number of problems whether you know personal problems yeah you know, we um my favorite 30 for 30 is broke i haven't seen it it's uh it's just about players who go broke oh of course in, in the nfl it's okay. uh and and the uh you know the ways that the ways that an introduction to the lifestyle like there are class divisions so mm-hmm. between you know the players who make seven million dollars a year and the players who make league minimum mm-hmm. there are there are divisions there and those divisions i think are propped up by the NFL as they continue to like they do not want to deal with 30 55 man rosters mm-hmm. in solidarity 53 man rosters no. don't email me they do not want to deal with 30 times 53 in solidarity asking for the same thing and anything that they can do to keep that from happening is what they're going to do yeah um, I have the number on the money that the Department of Defense spent on stuff. Let me have it. According to a 2015 report by Arizona Senators Jeff Flake and John McCain, both Republicans, uh, nearly $5.4 million was paid out to 14 NFL teams between 2011 and 2014 to honest service members and put on elaborate, quote, patriotic salutes to the military. Overall, they reported, quote, these displays of paid patriotism were included within the $6.8 million that the Department of Defense had spent on sports marketing contracts since fiscal year 2012. Uh, this is just, I mean, a few years, but just NFL. That's five point four million dollars. I cannot of, honest, tax, of taxpayer dollars. I cannot remember watching an an NFL game that featured the national anthem played on television. No, I before can't. Before that time happened. No, I've I been, mean, well, before two thousand nine, it didn't happen. Before two thousand nine, no one was on the field. Yeah, everybody no, was. No in one the was out there it, until two thousand nine, when uh, the Department of Defense started paying for these salutes, into paying to get people on the field, and paying for all of this grandstanding and all of that. Um, and if we're going to talk about like the division being sewed, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alejandro Villanueva, their mm-hmm. uh, their offensive lineman who played for the Naval Academy, yeah, he was an active service member for a while. The way that they used him, yeah, as like a as as a cynical ploy of like driving division. They tried to use Villanueva as a stake to drive between like his teammates and and the rest of uh, 
yeah, and the coaching staff and the fact that like he came out for the national anthem, mm-hmm. like you now again, like there's I got no problem with uh, with with Villanueva and huh. but the way he was used, especially he he released a statement after uh, after that game where the rest of the team was in the locker room and and he came out like that was. You know, he he got he got done dirty, and it's just an yeah. example of what you can see the NFL doing, mm-hmm. drawing these divisions, drawing these lines, and forcing players to not become a union, not become strong together. This is an NFL podcast where we talk about the NFL every week. Mm-hmm. It's Cheeseheads in Chicago Land. He's Matt Mellomsetter. He brought the facts today. We're both so salty about this, which is why we're uh, we're throwing this episode out at you. Um, it's the best podcast about the NFL. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Cheesecagoland. You can join our Facebook group. It's called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. You can send me email to cheeseheadsinchicagoland at gmail.com. But uh, you might want to just uh, just follow us on Twitter instead. Follow us on Twitter. If you can't condense your thoughts about the NFL into uh, 280 80 characters. Well, what are you doing in the I mean, modern age, the, the buddy? The DMs are open. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are. Send a couple. They're, they're open. Yeah, slide right in there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we, are, we are listening to you. We are... We are the favorite podcast of McKinton Dorland. We are uh, we are everything you need. We are we are your uh, your your leftist anger podcast about the NFL. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're just going to hit a few quick Packers things, and then we're going to get on out of your ears. Thanks for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best show about the Green Bay Packers. You can find us on iTunes or any other of the podcast apps. I'm Mike Fleischman. Over there, that's Matt Mellemsetter. We've uh, we've put enough salt on the burger mm. for uh, for one day, I think. If you uh, if you want to talk to us any more about our views on on the NFL in general or the NFL's weird relationship with the armed services or the NFL's incredibly backwards and uh, um, neo neolithic, um, incredibly stupid Neanderthal. Um, yeah, ne- uh, is that inc- a word? Incredibly stupid opinions about uh, <laughs> player agency and uh, player social involvement, and the NFL's uh, right to deal with that. Uh, yeah, cheese, uh, cheese, Cago Land on Twitter at cheese Cago Land. I'm at MP Fleischman on Twitter. He's at Melemsetter on M- Twitter. M E L E M S E T E R. All E's, no double consonants, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's do an icebreaker question because sure. uh, because we didn't do one coming into the first one because we were both just like revving the engines. Yeah, we were ready. We've been counting down. Mike texted me like a week ago and was like, uh-huh. hey, can you record a podcast today? And I was like, no, I'm busy. Wednesday's the first time I can do it. And Mike's like, let's go. You, like, <laughs> what was my exact question? Something like, do you want to be angry at the NFL with me? <laughs> today? And I was yeah. like, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
I wish. Like I was, I was ready to just, uh, just kind of start just podcasting, just turn on couple live, and be like, "Listen, <laughs> assholes." Uh, 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 icebreaker question: All-time favorite movie? Mm, all-time favorite movie? I think my all-time favorite movie is Only God Forgives by Nicholas Vending Refn, uh, director of Drive. It came out in 2013. Um, it's if. You are faint-hearted. I would not recommend watching it. It's very violent. It's very... It's a beautiful film. It's one of the most well-shot films I've ever seen. It's so interesting, interestingly directed. It draws almost its entire story, all of its plot points, everything like that, is from like visual metaphors. It's got a very alluring, mysterious performance by Ryan Gosling as the lead. Um, it takes place in Thailand, in Bangkok. Um, he, Ryan Gosling plays like a, a, his name's Julian. He runs a boxing ring, but it's just a front for like a drug operation being run out of America. It's very interesting. Look at like a, a troublesome familial relationship in kind of this drug world. It's very interesting. I really like it. I'm gonna have to get to that one. I've seen Drive. Drive's great, but I haven't. This is, I haven't seen Only God Forgives. Only, Only God Forgives is so. Drive is, I would say, Nicholas Vinning reference kind of most mainstream, most Comp- most accessible, comprehensible. It makes sense. You can kind of. It does. You can get it. You know where every point goes. You get it. Only God forgives was his reaction to the success of Drive. It was him looking at that, going, "This is me, but it's not fully me," and going so far inside of himself to kind of. Ab- it's it's nuts, man. It's it's nuts. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'm. I am a. I'm not an avid movie watcher, mm-hmm. but I do. I do like the more impressionistic filmmakers. Yeah, I like. I like your Kubricks. I like your David Lynch. Mm-hmm. I like David Lynch a lot. Love David actually. Lynch. But what's your favorite movie? My Mike? favorite movie is Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, 1984, Ghostbusters, and it is the absolute opposite of mm-hmm. an impressionist <laughs> film. Yeah. It is. It's... It is one of the most tightly scripted, mm-hmm. tightly edited. Uh, impeccably acted movies out there it it captures a time yeah in that like it captures a time for me in that I was I was a um, a young single digit age child I was born in 1980 mm-hmm. so the first time I saw that movie it was probably 1985 mm-hmm. we taped it off the television on a brand new VCR and it just it it absolutely captivated me as a young kid because it's an action movie and because it's funny yeah you know, Bill Murray is a funny character. Bill Murray's great. Well, there's something you don't see every day. It's just that that dryness. Like mm-hmm. I sound the way I do, in a large part because of Ghostbusters. But then you watch it as an adult, and you find you find some more things yeah. in it I that, that it weren't like there. Ten years probably. It's um. I'll have to watch it again. It's a it's a good one. There's uh, you know if if you want to be a pretentious dick which i do yeah no that's my favorite thing find your uh you know find find your themes about like science versus religion Mm -hmm. about like you know the 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 growing power of technology to to replace mysticism and spirituality Mm -hmm. like those are in that movie yeah i don't you know that's and that's that's not a mistake that those not at all that's written in there that's part of the screenplay that's Uh, the you know the libertarian pursuit of of you know innovation versus the uh you know the bureaucratic Mm -hmm. um you know way of doing things the uh all, all of these things, the the post World War II, um, you know, fear about yeah. society, like the the scars that fascism, mm-hmm. you know, launched. Like yeah, the 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 conceit of it is that an architect was so 
dismayed by society that he built a building to bring it to its end. Mm -hmm. He used an invention. He used architecture and all these things that we like that we look look at as like you know pinnacles of modern society and he used it to try and end the world Mm -hmm. like that's not accidental (laughs) yeah and yeah you don't see that when you're when you're young Mm -hmm. but that's uh that's my take on ghostbusters i am the most 37 year old man (laughs) that you could possibly have right now only god forgives and ghostbusters those are two cheeseheads in chicagoland Movies. We'll uh, we'll talk more movies mm-hmm. before we get to the the actual headlines. I also want to I want to let you plug what the heck you're doing because you have a film project in the works that that this summer is going to be going to be like important for you. Yes, I am spending my summer out in Los Angeles. I am directing a film called The Item. Um, it's about a couple who a man who finds a uh, mysterious object in a thrift store, can't figure out what it is, and it kind of his obsession with that object kind of destroys their relationship. Um, I'm spending this summer out in LA working with Tommy O'Haver, uh, directing it. Tommy O'Haver directed uh, uh, Ella Enchanted and The Most Hated Woman in America, which was a Netflix uh, original oh, last year, uh, which was pretty darn good. Um, yeah. Uh, that you, you, you have me already because I love finding objects in thrift yeah. stores. It's, yeah. it's a thing I do a lot. It's a, a fun lot. thing. I love, I have... I live right next to a really great thrift store. I live right next to Roscoe Village, uh, Roscoe Dis- uh, Village Discount in Roscoe Village on Roscoe Street. Yeah, I know that one. I was in there uh, last last week. Yeah, I live right down the street. I live right up point on that. Um, I love that place. That's where actually I wrote it to take place. But of course, they don't have Roscoe Village Discount out in LA, so we'll nah. have to switch it up. But no, nah, that's that's fantastic. Um, if uh, if people follow you on social media, they mm-hmm. can they can learn more about that mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Anything uh, anything else you want to plug as far as your filmmaking work? Oh, yeah. I actually just finished directing uh, a film called The Emu War, uh, which is about the 1932 uh, military action in Australia uh, where emus invaded a town and the Western Australian Parliament actually had to send in the military. This is a real thing that happened. The Western Australian mil- Parliament had to send in the military to fight these emus uh, and they lost. Uh, they lost the war. Oh, my God. This is a parliamentary... This is, it was a real like war on emus and they lost, the emus won. They found out that the emus were way harder to kill than they expected. Uh, uh, There's a quote from a general that uh, the only way to kill an emu was to shoot it straight through its beak when it was open or straight through the back of the head. Otherwise the bullets would either bounce off or lodge in and they wouldn't die. Uh, emus started hiding. They figured out that they could hide and sneak attack and stuff like that. They were, they outsmarted the Australian military. They outlasted the Australian military. Um, they ran out of bullets uh, and just How is had this to not leave. just universally regarded as the most important thing it's that's ever happened in Australia? incredible. There's a great Wikipedia article about it, uh, but if you follow me on any social media, you'll find links to articles that have been written about the work and also like the Indiegogo, so you can help fund it. Awesome. That is... I, I, I'm the, oh. there's a, we just put a trailer up emus uh, it'll be out in August 2018 if you donate I think it's five bucks or ten bucks you'll get a copy as soon as I finish editing 
this is that that's absolutely fascinating yeah. i meant to ask you about it because i just i saw the name the emu war yeah. and i knew that i knew that the explanation was going to be equally <laughs> as completely yeah. good as, great, as right? that name so let's uh, let's let's do the green bay packers podcast mm. thing right now a couple of free agent signings that have that have taken place past the uh, past the compensatory pick area mm-hmm. of free agent signings. The Packers have added a tight end, and I think this puts an end to the Des Bryant to Green Bay yeah. possibility. They have added Mercedes Lewis, mm-hmm. who spent his entire career with the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2006 all the way up to last year. He's 34 years old. He is a a veteran. He is a guy who was just so vital to Jacksonville in in that Jacksonville has not been able to have a lot of stability right down there with all the coaching changes they've gone through all the all the quarterback mm-hmm. ideas you know all all of the the ownership changes you know Mercedes Lewis was vital to them the Packers get him it's it's a great idea if this guy catches zero passes for the Packers, yeah. like this guy was was vital to to Jacksonville. Vital to Jacksonville's locker room presence. He is a decent pass catcher, but beyond that, he's a great blocker. Mm-hmm. He's, he's old. He's thirty four years old. He's not going to be moving quick. He's not going to be the best route runner. But he's a veteran presence that can block on the end of the line. I bet we see a lot of two tight end sets with uh, Jimmy Graham sp- spreading out wide and Mercedes Lewis blocking on one end of the line. Yeah. Eight. His uh, his biggest seasons came back in uh, 2010. He had had uh, 58 catches in 2010. That's by far his uh, his highest number. He did grab five touchdowns last mm-hmm. year. Having a, having a decent quarterback down yeah. there helps them out a little bit. I didn't. I'm surprised that Blake Bortles turned into what I yeah. can call a decent quarterback. That's yeah. surprising enough. League average. But uh, he bortled his way to uh, to five touchdowns for Mercedes Lewis. So. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers putting some balls in maybe some better spots yeah. is uh, is going to help him out. But that's that's a smart signing. I think that's a really great signing. It adds to our. We've always had questions about tight end depth. Is since excuse me, since Jermichael Finley left, we've the Green Bay Packers have struggled to find good consistent tight ends. Richard Rodgers never turned it really into anything. Jared Cook was only here for a year. Lance Kendricks has struggled since coming in. Adding Mercedes Lewis is just a good depth signing. Yeah, a, a guy who is who is just going to just going to help out, and yeah. you, know, you you figure if you know, he's not he's not going to um, he's not going to be alarmed when when the when the balls aren't going his way, mm-hmm. and it's such a great decoy player to have out on the field yeah. as well. In that, all of a sudden, you forget about him, or if uh, you know he's he's been in the league long enough to where like if he's got like blitz pickup assignments, but then has a route. If no one blitzes, he's going to be able to make yeah. that right choice and just be sitting in the flat. Rogers has needed a checkdown yeah. for a long time, and and Lewis gives you that that ability to uh, to just get a guy who is going to be out there, and maybe you know you're not going to double him. You're right. going to worry about Jimmy Graham. You're going to worry about Devonte Adams. Yeah, and it's a great little option. Yeah, it's and to say that he's old is, is I don't want to discount him. He's still going to be able to be a viable part of our offense. He's not completely worthless as an NFL player at the age of 34. He's still pretty good. You said he got five touchdowns last year. He's going to be a big red zone target, even if he's slotted behind Lance Kedricks and Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I think I think Lewis has to immediately take take Kendrick's spot. We mm-hmm. might might be the end of Lance Kendrick's as a Packer, especially with some of the size they have in their other younger yeah. wide receivers. The other signing this week is 
Byron Bell, mm. a, a backup for the Cowboys. But this is a 29-year-old offensive line, sort of a hybrid guard tackle. A uh, another another guy who seems like a Justin McCray kind of signing in that this is a guy who you can put at a number of different positions. This is a guy who was an insurance policy against Brian Balaga, maybe not being ready to go in the mm-hmm. first quarter of the season, possibly first half of the season, if some of the rumors are to be, be believed. Uh, Byron Bell has 74 NFL starts yeah, under his in, belt. And he's appeared in 90 total games. So he's he's played seven years, 74 starts, 90 total games. This is a guy that has quality NFL experience, can step in and play both guard tackle slots. He's going to be a good spot starter. Yeah, this is not the 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 level of, of talent that you get with a Jari Evans, you know, a veteran pro bowler type guy coming from yeah. New Orleans, but just another guy who, it means that if you get in trouble, you do not have to lean on a second or third year guy or one of the guys on the Packers like Kyle Murphy, who is coming off an injury and you don't even know about in the yeah. first place. We're, we're, it means that we're not relying on unproven, unknown entities if yeah, we takes... see more injuries on the line. It means that we have quality backups. We have depth on our offensive line. This is a great depth signing. This is He's not being picked to be the right tackle of the future. That's not what he's here for. He's here to be a great depth piece. Yeah, that has to be Jason Spriggs' presumptive mm-hmm. role as the the right tackle of the future, the mm-hmm. the new Balaga. But boy, it's it's a it's a pressure acquisition as well because all of a sudden Spriggs and Murphy have to know that there's you now have McCray and Bell yeah. sitting behind them in practice. Bell, twenty nine years old. This he's got to know. You know, we just talked about you know the tenuousness of an NFL career. Yeah, you know, Bell. Bell is aware that coming off a season where he made two starts for the Cowboys, he's gonna want to. He's gonna want to make gonna an impression. Wanna, he's gonna want to play. He's gonna want to be able to make more money soon. Yeah. So this this puts a lot of pressure on your young guys as as they should be doing right now this is the uh, the perfect time if you're just if you want to iron it out and you want to really see what some guys have in a position where they're not taking anything for granted mm-hmm. this is what you do it so yep. no des bryant we got mercedes lewis instead probably not the worst idea that's no. uh, des bryant would have been, been a big splash signing i would have enjoyed it but mercedes lewis is smart yeah, he is. He's a he's a good he's a good tight end, and it it shores up a position where like, um, yeah, I know I know Zez Bryant enjoys blocking on mm-hmm. the perimeter. I know mm-hmm. that's something that he really likes, yeah. but enjoying it versus being particularly good at being it, very good at, yeah, it. is is per, is not the same thing. Right. And and having a guy on the uh, on the line who's you know, you've got a three running back platoon. Yeah, you better have a tight end who can block a little yeah. bit. If you're going to do that, that's our Packers news. There ain't much else. No, it's the we, middle of the off season. We kind of lost. Yeah, we uh, we convened this one mainly because we were mad at the National Football League. Um, I'm still I'm still salty. I was curious because pounding oh, the desks. Am I going to be able to like keep keep my my anger fresh? Because we live in an out- outrage culture now, mm-hmm. where like we have to be outraged about a new new thing every week. Yeah. Well. I was still angry about this today. Trump presidency, yeah. right? It's one thing after the other. <laughs> oh, the the uh, our, our special our special boy president and his uh, his war against uh, against people who are infinitely less powerful than him. It's just it's so amazing. What's that rule, Melum Setter? Should you punch up or punch down? Uh, apparently, punch down if you're Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, punch. 
punched way, way down. Way down. The leader of the free world. Can't punched. be asked about about like international politics or no. or trade wars or anything but boy oh boy he's going to give boy. you 15 he's going to give you like a rambling 15 minute set in which he works blue about the NFL start calling those owners hey what's what's that about North Korea no 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 start calling yeah. start calling the NFL owners you should complain about the black athletes who are protesting yeah uh, don't do that folks don't don't call and complain um, and and you know it, I know it's tough because I'm in, I'm in these rooms with like people who I've talked about, like they maybe don't understand what a professional athlete does. And like the minute you think about these guys as entitled, like you've lost me. Yep. They're the opposite of entitled, you know, um, have worked for everything. And it's the prima donna reputation as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that just gets me in that like, if you start playing team sports, before you're even like 10 years old mm-hmm. you have to fit into a locker room yeah you know the the margin for error from junior high through high school through college is so so small yeah you know there are a lot of coaches who will not give you a second chance mm-hmm. when uh, you know when you mess up and when when you se- when you're selfish or when you skip practice or when you blow off what the coach says or if you miss an assignment mm-hmm. the difference between like pursuing your dream of playing sports down the line into your 20s and 30s versus having it come to an end when you're 14 yeah. because you and your buddies decided to uh, you know f off f off out of practice and do something else yeah it's one or two decisions sometimes that makes the difference mm-hmm. and to like to to call to call these players entitled is is just it's the utmost madness and delusion. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about it? Like a guy like Johnny Manziel. Um, I am. I, I mean, does does he fit as like an entitled player? Like, what is the possibly he might possibly. be as close to an entitled as close, player okay. as we've seen. I am. I'm going to give you another rant as I'm watching Please the do. timer tick down. Um, I am a big, big believer in second chances. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, from, from Manziel, it's clearly I'm also a big believer in addiction as a health issue, mm-hmm. as a disease, as a treatable condition. Mm-hmm. And and so to but very frequently addiction manifests itself as incredibly assholeish behavior. Right. And for a guy that very clearly was just, you know, off of his nuts. Yeah. The entire time that he was in the NFL mm-hmm. and probably the end of his college career. He said probably most of yeah, his college career. Yeah. And most most likely a good deal of his high school career yeah. as well. For a guy who was that clearly that clearly high as heck. Yeah. For that entire time. Yeah, I is he entitled? Does he have a disease? Yeah, I fall on the side of does he have a disease? Okay, and like does that disease? Is it infuriating to watch it? Yeah, yes, yes, it is. It is infuriating to watch mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, like this is, I am I'm very very passionate about people getting second chances. I've had a few, so yeah, you know, that's yeah. Up. Starting up in the CFL this season. Yeah, he's going to move. He is going to learn that they play good football up there. They play good football. That yeah. game goes fast, yeah. Matt. I have, have you watched a lot of Canadian football? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, lot of spacing. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of open field maneuvers. That is a very very fast aerial game. He is going to be dealing with immediate pressure and have to make some very quick decisions mm-hmm. and make some very accurate throws because there are guys who will very gladly take his roster spot and just like Kurt Warner you two 
death yeah up there you know there are plenty of guys who who you know put the uh, you know put the football into the uh, through the tire yeah. at 15 yards moving on a rope crazy yeah so Manzella has his work cut out for him there mm. I don't think he was ever an NFL caliber no. prospect. I, I thought that was a crazy pick at twenty-two. Oh, it's madness! That would have been a crazy pick in the sixth round. Yeah, if, if I'm if I'm a GM, which no one's paying me for that, but uh, if anyone wants to, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take that. I, money. I can mess up your I'll team. I'll take that money. Yeah, would you like your team's legacy to uh, come to an Isaiah Thomas like halt? <laughs> Do you want it to be tarnished yeah. forever? I mean, by I, multiple years. Of okay, so some of the some of the harassing. allegations of uh, of harassment and such. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not. I'm not a harassy. Yeah, <laughs> some some of that stuff on, but you know, would you like me to give Jerome James forty million dollars or <laughs> whatever it, it was? Yeah, it. Uh, give me control of the checkbook. I I'll be asking for third chances mm-hmm. after that. All right, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We have been ranting. It's been fun. Um, we're gonna take a uh, take another probably couple of weeks off because nothing's happening. Right, and we're gonna come back when something happens. So. Uh, at Cheese Coggleland on Twitter. Stay with us there if you want to know when the next episode is out. We're on iTunes. We're on everything except Google Play because I can't figure out Google Play. Can you, like, DM me if you know anything about Google cool. Play? Hey, Google, can you DM us? Yeah, can you make it easier? Hey, Mr. Google. Because I got to know I gotta know what things mean in order to set that <laughs> up, and I don't yet. Um, yeah, Facebook group is called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, one last thing before we go. I want to say a farewell and a rest in peace to Dave Miller, who worked for Regional Radio Sports Network. He passed away this week. He was um, a great man that I had the privilege of knowing from January of this year onwards just for a very short time and uh yeah i want to send the best to uh to his family his wife and his two kids and uh you know let them know that yeah dave you made a good impact on my life so thank you man all right we're out